Welcome to Unlocking Innovation, a podcast from EX3 Labs in 1871. We'll be talking to leaders in innovation about what keeps them ahead of the curve in today's atmosphere of rapid change and how they cultivate a culture of innovation within their organizations. I'm your host, Adam Wisniewski. Today's guest is Kim Jensen of Raymond James Financial. Raymond James is a Florida-based diversified holding company providing financial services to individuals, corporations, and municipalities. They have approximately 7,800 financial advisors throughout the United States, Canada, and overseas. Total client assets are $725 billion. We're excited to have Kim in the studio today from St. Petersburg to talk about her work as Chief Operating Officer at Raymond James Private Client Group. Thank you for being here today, Kim. Can you share a little bit about your uh, career journey? I'm happy to. Thanks for having me here today, Adam. Well, my career journey started, um, quite frankly, in an unusual way at a small bank in a small town in Minnesota as a single mom um, back in the day. And uh, from there, I went to work at a bigger bank in Minneapolis, Norwest Bank, which is now Wells Fargo, and raised my son, went to college at night, and worked my way up through the bank over the years. And then in 1991, I joined Piper Jaffrey which was a regional broker-dealer based in Minneapolis and, again, uh, was involved in a number of different roles there over 15 years. And then I, uh, UBS, the big Swiss bank, acquired the broker-dealer at Piper Jaffray. So I wound up at uh, UBS for 11 years in various field leadership roles, including uh, being the chief of staff to our CEO in New York, so um, it's been a long journey, and about three years ago, I decided I wanted to um, find a new place to hang my hat and make a difference, and I joined Raymond James Financial, uh, based in St. Pete, Florida, uh, two years ago, right about now. Congratulations on the work anniversary. Thank you. Thank you. So I'm curious, you've got this rich history in financial services. What drew you to, to that? Well, what initially drew me to financial services was quite frankly, being desperate for a job at age 19. But I stayed in this industry because of the impact that I learned very quickly that we can have. Uh, we impact not only the capital markets and the growth of our, our economy and businesses and munis municipalities you know, in the country, but also we impact families. We help families make really important decisions and steer clear of financial pitfalls. And uh, I really stayed in the industry for the impact that we have. Very interesting. So I'm, I'm curious, you know, I, I know you mentioned uh, being a single mom. I'm curious that some of the challenges you might have had uh, initially with balancing that, uh, going after the career in financial services with being a single mom. Well, that, that's a great question, and I get asked about that a lot. And I guess when I think back, when you, when you think about the 80s and being a single mother with a small child in the 80s, um, back then work-life balance was not something that was particularly discussed. And so I would not talk about the fact that I had to hurry home to f pick up my son from daycare or that I had to quickly drive through the Burger King drive-through to get him dinner on the way to hockey practice. You know, I didn't talk about those things because you didn't want your employer to think that you weren't committed or couldn't put in the time. It was a very, very different time then than it is today. I am 
so uh, pleased that that dynamic has changed over the years. It's, it's delightful to work with younger colleagues who feel empowered to leave work, to attend their kids' activities and so on, um, but it was very different then. Absolutely. I, I remember my mom, um, she wasn't a single mother, but she was in nursing school uh, with me growing up, and I just remember the balance. It, you know, it, it takes a tremendous amount of work ethic to, to be able to do that, so, so kudos to you. And to your mother. Absolutely. So for, for those listeners who aren't familiar with what Raymond James does, can you give a quick overview? Sure, happy to. So Raymond James was founded about 56 years ago. Bob James decided he wanted to get into the business of doing financial planning for people. And he was, quite frankly, indifferent as to whether they had $1,000 or a $1 million. If they were willing to engage in the financial planning process, that was the business that, that he, um, he wanted to embark upon. And all these years later, 56 years later, uh, Raymond James is now a Fortune 500 company. We're on the S&P 5, in the S&P 500. You know, it's a big financial services firm um, with very still, ground, you know, grounded small town roots uh, in St. Pete, Florida. We have roughly 12,700 employees. We have roughly 8,000 financial advisors across the country. We are in most states. Uh, we're also in Canada and in Europe. And we do uh, investment banking and mergers and acquisitions work. And uh, we have a bank and a trust company. But our primary business is about serving private clients, helping them with their investment needs, and quite frankly, you know, reaching their dreams. It sounds a little bit um, extreme to be able to say that, but um, that is really the business that we're in. What a great business to be in. So Forbes recently list, listed Raymond James as uh, one of America's best large employers. What do you think is the most inspiring aspect of the company culture? So the most inspiring aspect of working at Raymond James is our culture. And whether you ask a financial advisor who uh, invests uh, large you know, pools of assets on behalf of institutions or, or families, or whether you ask an associate in our home office, they will tell you that they're at Raymond James because of the culture. And the culture is, is rooted in people first, client first, and our core values are around integrity, independence, and conservatism. And so we, we really highly value uh, our people. We provide a lot of mobility in the home office, lots of different job opportunities for people. And it's very clear to all of us who we serve. So we serve our financial advisors so they in turn can uh, serve their clients. It's interesting because I've, I've been to the Raymond James headquarters in St. Pete, and it's a great office. We recorded in 1871, and 1871's known as um, a place that has this really rich art collection. But when I was in St. Pete visiting uh, Raymond James, you all have a really amazing art collection as well. We do. It's incredible. Uh, in fact, we some days take it for granted because you walk uh, the halls of the six buildings on the Carillon campus down in St. Pete, and there's Western American art, there's modern art, abstract art, sculpture, glass, you name it. And this is all the collection of Tom and Mary James. And over the years, they've collected art uh, with uh, 
living artists. So they've been able to meet the artists, feeling like they're, you know, investing in them and helping them get their starts. And so we're very, very lucky, uh, very spoiled. Recently, a new uh, museum opened up downtown uh, St. Pete. In fact, it's the one-year anniversary of the Tom and Mary James uh, Art Museum, and uh, where we feature, they feature um, a lot of the Western American art. It's really, really quite great. Fantastic. So Raymond James is a large company. You've got about 7,800 financial advisors throughout the, the U.S. just alone. What are some of the greatest challenges that you face with in creating that, that innovative culture? So innovation is, is important to us. We're thinking a lot about the client of the future, the branch of the future, the advisor of the future. What are they going to need that we don't, you know, that, that we haven't thought of yet? And I think one of our primary challenges in innovation uh, is, is the fact that we're not the kind of firm that can cook it up, you know, s- see something that perhaps a competitor is doing and, and cook it up and put it out there on the advisor's uh, desktops and, and hope that they'll consume it. Instead, what we do, everything that we do at Raymond James is informed by the advisor and the client. So we have so many advisory councils, I can't even list them all. A primary one related to innovation is our technology advisory council. We call it the TAC. And so it's a diverse set of advisors, experienced, inexperienced, and all, all kinds of different perspectives will come in and help guide us as to you know, what are they hearing from their clients that will make their lives better? What are they, what, what can we develop that helps them be more uh, efficient, innovative as they relate to their clients? So the challenge really is we always have to keep the people, the advisor, at the center of everything that we build. And if, if we build something that they just won't adopt, um, we've got to go back to the drawing board. I love that. And w- w- one thing that I love most about what you just said is that you are really keeping your ears to the ground. You're listening more than talking. And that, when you think about advisory, you, you think about somebody who talks really well, but maybe doesn't listen so well. And I think what struck me as interesting, especially you know, visiting your website and even seeing social media, how many images of, of shoulder-to-shoulder uh, interactivity you have between you and the client, uh, which speaks volumes. So I'm interested to hear a little bit more about the the, the client advisory council. Is that something for, for listeners who are looking to establish that, or maybe they already have that established within their organization, might need a new take or a way to, to, to rethink that? Is there specific um, advice that you could give to them in terms of um, a best practice or a tactic that uh, you've used? Well, what I would say is that um, listening has to be at the core of it. So if you are going to assemble an advisory council, you have to be willing to actually listen. You have to be open to encouraging input that you may not want to hear. They may tell you that some of the things that you've built they don't particularly care for, and you have to take that under advisement. So thick skin. <laughs> thick skin is, is important. Um, we use a lot of surveys, and which helps us prioritize what we're what we're working on. Um, we do a lot of testing and piloting um, before we launch anything to the field or anything for clients. We fully tested it and piloted it. Sometimes we pull things back uh, back from the shelf. 
Um, but this Tech Advisory Council, we have an Executive Council, a Retirement Planning Council, um, and, and, and we have a planning and strategy team that's very creative. But again, it has to be palatable for the FAs and add value for clients. So if I was going to give advice, I would say that just make sure that as you're listening, you're also playing back you know, what you've heard and how they've informed the prioritization process so that they know that there's a complete feedback loop in the process. And is there any particular uh, insights that you could share with us on, on something that may be a, a lesson learned from the, the, the surveys that you have or the, the ways you maybe you had it started off with an assumption about retirement, let's say, but it, it's maybe your thought process has shifted based on some of the feedback that you've received from your clients? Sure, that's a really good question. Um, about a year ago, we introduced a new technology called Connected Advisor. And the idea there is that it, it would be a mobile uh, app that clients could use to open up an account at Raymond James. And remember I said that it is critically important that the advisor is always central to the relationship. So with, with Connected Advisor, if you want to open up an account at Raymond James using this mobile app, you need to get it from an advisor. So um, what does that say? We have to make sure that our advisors are so fully aware, aware and trained and up to speed on not only you know, how it works, but that it's available to them as another way to interact with their client. Another lesson learned we had along those same lines is we have this wonderful um, uh, mechanism app uh, application called aggregation. So if you have an account at Raymond James, you could bring in you know, the information from your accounts at Wells Fargo or Chase Bank, etc. so you have all your financial information in one place. But again, because the advisor is at the center of every uh, relationship, uh, we need the advisor to flip the switch. So we had someone recently say, a client said, you know, geez, I'd really like to, to have this aggregation capability. And the advisor said, great, just, you know, click here and, and there it will be for you. And uh, the advisor didn't remember that he actually had to flip the switch to turn it on. So we're learning a lot about how to create technologies that, are, that add value for clients but also keep that relationship um, you know, intact, if that makes sense. Absolutely. So as your role as COO, uh, it includes making sure that the ship is running and that's where the primary responsibility. Sometimes that can run counter to developing new ideas because you're staying the course or, you know, some CEOs are really just operation and performance based, but that doesn't necessarily lend itself to introducing new ideas to the marketplace or discovering new ways of doing something that run a little bit too counter to what's worked in the past. So how do you find balance between that disruption and the stability of running an organization? Well, I'm lucky in that in my role as Chief Operating Officer for Raymond James Financial, I also have responsibility for our planning and strategy group. So that's where, um, you know, I, I get to participate in the creative process and our strategic planning uh, part of the process. And so uh, I think that for COOs who also can benefit from having, you know, planning and strategy part of their part of their jobs, um, I think it's a huge benefit because you get to use kind of the left brain and the right brain um, in the work that you do. 
So I find a lot of a lot of balance in, in working with that team. And, and was that by design on, on your end, or were you kind of appointed to that position, or, or did you volunteer? How, how did that come about, the strategy and planning? Well, that's, that's a great question. Um, some of these roles in all of our corporations evolve, and when I first joined Raymond James a couple of years ago, I was the chief operating officer for Raymond James & Associates, which is one division of the company, and planning and strategy happened to be part of that role. And now as uh, my position has evolved to be chief operating officer for all of our private client group, I'm taking that planning and strategy piece with me. I think it's additive uh, for our company, and it's certainly additive for me in, in my role. So if you were to give advice to other COOs outside of the, the strategy and, and planning route where they can join that committee or, or, or partner up with that particular part of the business, is there any other specific ideas that or advice that you would give around um, developing new ideas or, or making sure that, that the company culture stays innovative? I think it's important to make sure that you're listening to everybody, okay? So you've certainly got to listen to in our case, the advisors, because that's how we understand what clients are looking for. But we also have to look, uh, we also have to be listening to the people behind the scenes, the ones who are opening new accounts, who are problem solving, who are adding value for advisors over the phone, who are building technologies, who are building out our real estate. Um, we have to listen to everybody because everyone, uh, there is no one person in any company who has uh, cornered the market on, you know, where the business is going. And we can only learn that from each other and listening. And we've got a lot of really smart people um, all over the company. And it, it just makes us better to make sure that we're, you know, our eyes and ears are open. And with a company of your size, obviously operating U.S., but also Canada and overseas. How do you scale that philosophy? Listening is, is certainly a lot easier. Well, it's still difficult to do, even just with a few people, but um, how do you make sure you can kind of uh, use listening at scale? Yeah, I think, I think two things. One is it has to be, you know, people first has to be just baked into the bedrock of, of the company, and that's what we've done at Raymond James. Our culture is just is 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 so solidly based in this people first client first mentality so that leads you so naturally t toward people and listening and making sure that we're understanding people's needs but you also have to create mechanisms for it right you can't just say oh geez you know let's be great listeners um, we uh, we do listening tours for example I will if I'm in Chicago as I am today, I'll make sure that I go to our office and talk with our advisors, talk with their support teams, meet with the management to make sure that I'm uh, close, to, close to the action. Uh, tomorrow I'll go attend a meeting in, in Las Vegas um, that we're holding that will have, you know, roughly a thousand financial advisors in attendance. And so I'll have the opportunity to listen a lot. But it's very much, it's not just me as the COO at the company, but all of our managers, all of our leaders, um, all the way to Paul Riley, our, our chairman and CEO, is uh, when he's out in the field, he's traveling uh, throughout the country, everybody makes a point of being where the action is and visiting with advisors and associates and clients. So I want to shift a little bit to um, technology. You mentioned earlier the, the future of financial services. So I'm, 
I'm curious how you're using technologies to, to make financial services more client-centric. So a few ways. I mentioned earlier um, connected advisor being something new and we're still, we're still practicing. Um, but our client uh, access site that we have uh, built is really stellar. We have some of the most leading-edge mobile technology for advisors and clients in the industry. A few years ago, when Bella Allaire, our head of IT and operations, joined Raymond James, she made it the top priority to build out technologies that were client and advisor facing versus, you know, doing a lot of things back, you know, behind the scenes in the home office. And that has really accrued to our benefit. We've got a lot of um, user-friendly technology. Our financial advisor, for example, today can, from his or her mobile device, stay attuned to the markets, understand what's happening in their clients' accounts, look at, um, you know, how the investments are doing, and actually um, create transactions um, on their mobile device. They actually don't have to come to the office to um, conduct their business, which is unique in this, in this industry. Most of them do because they're meeting with clients regularly, face-to-face, but they can also be out and about and do what they need to do to serve clients every day. I've always been curious about Raymond James's user groups. Obviously, you have a wide base of users of your products and services, but a lot of what you've, you do is around retirement planning and retirement savings and investing and just making sure you're prepared for that. Um, is there, I guess, how are you seeing the, the adoption of, of more of the mobile apps for that particular user group that, that probably has had financial services or some type of financial services for the past 15 years, but it's always been delivered in a very specific way to them? So I'm seeing that our clientele is somewhat bifurcated in terms of how they interact with us. So our younger clients want to interact with us in much more ubiquitous ways, right? They want to text us and they want the app and they want to, you know, email and FaceTime in some cases, right? They, they want to interact with us their way. More traditional clients that we've had for a long time are certainly open and they're using online technology uh, to interact with us, but that face-to-face is still critically important. One of the things that I I think is evolving is things can be going along pretty well, and we've had the benefit of a bull market, you know, for quite a long time, and so maybe a lot of us are geniuses with our investing, right? But when things change, when markets correct, um, we get some volatility, heaven forbid we have some sort of financial crisis, that's when we really need advice and counsel. So that's why our investment and, and our innovations will always keep an advisor or a person in the center of that, of that interaction. Does that make sense? It does. Oftentimes, especially with areas of money and money management, unless you're paying attention to it on a regular basis, you know, some life tragedy happens and all of a sudden you have to, uh, maybe it's, you know, for, for some people that they find themselves scrambling to try to, to rebound from things and it, it becomes that much more challenging. So. Yeah, so one of our newest areas of innovation is what we're calling longevity solutions. 
So we're building out a suite of services that can help with in-home, um, setting up your home for in-home health care, a service that might provide concierge health care services, a service that can help you, um, can help people look at Medicare, um, maximizing Social Security, things like that. Another service that helps you do r- very in-depth uh, financial planning um, and, and also record keeping so that I might uh, want to keep records and information and instructions for my son, you know, if I should, you know, get hit by a bus one day. So these are the kinds of things that we are building out for the client of the future. And and the future is now, and clients are accessing these things as fast as we can um, put them together. So in the next five years, there's going to be, obviously, there's, there's a combination of challenges mixed with opportunities. What do you think the biggest change um, is going to be in terms of the way people handle their money or invest? So I think the biggest change, and we're seeing it now, is the actual investments is kind of table stakes. It's um, you need expertise to, you know, think about what sorts of securities you want to invest in and so forth to to accomplish your uh, investment objectives and your life objectives. But what's really changing and what, what I see continuing to evolve are these other kinds of needs, like I mentioned. So when you ask people what they care about, they'll usually say my, something about my family, uh, our health, and some will also talk about their faith. And money becomes the enabler of what you want to accomplish for your family and certainly of your health. And then also um, contributions to your philanthropy and so forth in, in, in society. So I think as a financial services firm that's dedicated to serving people, we will need to continue to evolve in, in, in new ways above and beyond um, what was the more traditional, pure investment management. Fantastic. So last question and the most important question of the day, what's the one app on your phone that you can't live without? Okay, well, I've got to give you two. Uh, The first one has to be the Raymond James Client Access app on my phone. And the second one is my New York Times crossword puzzle, which I do every night. Tom James, who's our chairman emeritus at Raymond James, has a mantra, which is work, work, play. So this, my crossword puzzle app, make sure I play every day. Love that. A very important uh, important note and a great note to end on. So if anybody is um, able to, to follow you online, um, is there a particular site that you would encourage them to go to, LinkedIn, social media? How can people stay in touch with both you and Raymond James? So Raymond James and I are on Twitter, uh, Facebook, and LinkedIn um, has probably become the most popular way um, to keep track of what's happening at Raymond James, but please do follow us. Fantastic. And I also heard that Raymond James also has a podcast. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Absolutely. And you can find our podcast at RaymondJames.com. Fantastic. Well, thank you for being with us today, Kim. Um, and uh, it was always, always a pleasure seeing you. Nice seeing you, too. Thank you, Adam. Remember to subscribe to Unlocking Innovation wherever you listen to podcasts and be sure to rate and review. To stay up to date with EX3 Labs news and events, follow us on social media. We're at EX3 Labs. See you next time.